Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, managing editor of the NBA page at NBC Sports with you as always. And today, a little something different and fun. We're actually going to take a look into the fantasy basketball world. It's about time. It seems early, but camps are opening. It's actually time to start looking into your fantasy basketball season, who you're going to draft and all that. Uh, So we brought in Tommy Beer, who... Works with us at NBC Sports at Roto World, also writes for Forbes, and is uh, knowledgeable about all things, I've been told. So how you doing, Tommy? Pretty good. Pretty good. How about yourself, Kurt? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's 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 a swamped time of year for you guys. You put out the draft guide, which is out now for uh, people who want to get it. And yeah, this is the busy time of year for you, right? Like, in a lot of ways. A- absolutely. Yeah. You know, this is the next couple weeks, uh, fantasy drafts will start. Uh, taking place usually uh, the the weekend before the start of the season is kind of the busiest weekend of the year from that perspective. Um, but certainly, um, you know there are some some keeper leagues and some dynasty leagues, etc. Um, that that start taking place the early part of the month. But just as importantly, uh, plenty of time to kind of start picking out some sleepers and some busts, and just c- kind of getting a feel for players that you are targeting uh, and or avoiding in upcoming fantasy drafts. Yeah, and we're going to get into a lot of that. By the way, uh, talk to people about the uh, the Roto World Fantasy Guide too, because that's I, I mean it's just such a great resource for any, not frankly not anybody not only people who want to play fantasy but just people who are fans of the game. Absolutely, um, I'm certainly biased, but I, I, in my opinion, it's the the best guide that's available anywhere on the internet. Um, and I say that as someone who subscribed to it well before I started uh, working for Roto World and NBC. Um, I'm a big fan of the folks that they have running it. Steve Alexander's been there for almost 20 years. Years. A great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Um, very knowledgeable. And the rest of the staff, Mike Gallagher, Jared Jonas, um, can't say enough. Um, enjoy working with those guys, but they're also incredibly knowledge and, and have a lot of care and effort that they put into the guy to get make it the best product available. Um, so in addition to the obvious, the rankings, um, you know, for eight category, nine category points leagues, they're all in there, but you also get some tiers um, that can kind of break down as you're going through your draft. Uh, you know, you have a point guard here. Um, who should I draft, even though guys are similarly rated. Um, You can have that tier chart that can kind of help you out. In addition to many columns on on sleepers, potential busts, and there's also a bunch of mock drafts in there. So you can see um, if you have an upcoming eight category league draft, you can pull up one of the drafts. We'll uh, obviously have all the picks listed, but also a breakdown saying what pick we liked in each round, um, what guy we were surprised that that fell that far. Um, Just kind of give you some insight and some knowledge as you uh, embark on your draft journey. 
Yeah, it, it is a process. And and just like all fantasy sports, I mean, the draft is everything, right? Like, you, you mean, yeah, you got to, especially baseball, you got to make your tweaks during the season and what have you. But if you don't set the foundation, you're just, you're in trouble from the start. A hundred percent. You know, it's, uh, it's kind of like how they say, you know, in the, in the early part of a basketball season, you can't win the championship, but you can lose a championship if you fall too far behind and um, you yep. make some really bad picks early on. They can really dig yourself into a hole that that's really tough to dig out of. And uh, just one other thing I'll mention just in terms of the guy as you mentioned, not just for fantasy players, um, but also daily daily fantasy players. We have a bunch of information, oh, yeah. you know, throughout the year um, that that's valuable in, in that respect. So, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of information. And if yeah, if you're just a hoop head, um, if you're a maniac like Kurt myself that really likes to dig into the minutia of the NBA, the statistics, um, you know, guys fighting for that 13th playoff roster spot or the eighth or ninth guy in the rotation, um, you know, we have data and information and, and writing up stuff on all those guys. It's awesome. So we're going to actually go through and talk about, uh, like you said, sleeper picks, guys to avoid, guys at the top of the draft board. By the way, Tommy, very impressed. It was very gutsy of you to put Carmelo Anthony on top of your draft board uh, <laughs> yeah. as, as the number one pick. That's that's a gutsy call, man. Well, I figure, you know, he's he's, he's a great scorer and, uh, you know, he's, he's going to turn it around. It's only a matter of time. You know, he's fresh. He hasn't played a lot, so he should be able to stay healthy, right? <laughs> exactly. You would like to think so. So uh, we'll, we'll go through this by position because that's obviously I think, just the easiest way to break it down. And if you're, we'll start at the top at the one, the point guard spot, which is just so deep in the NBA right now. But I mean, you've probably got to have Steph Curry at the top of the list, right? I mean, I, I think everybody kind of expects this to be, I don't want to say a breakout year, that would be the wrong word, but a return to more MVP level Steph Curry this year. I'm I'm really high on the Steph Curry bandwagon. In fact, he's my preseason pick to win MVP. I think yeah. we tend to forget before uh, Kevin Durant arrived in Golden State just how dominant and how incredibly efficient and statistically incredible the numbers were that Steph Curry was, was putting up. I mean, remember, this is the yeah. only first and only player in NBA history to win a unanimous MVP. And I think um, to his credit, he put his ego aside and welcomed Kevin Durant and was, you know, first to say that, you know, Kevin Durant's the best player on the planet and we need him to win, et cetera, et cetera. But you know that Steph Curry's a competitor and deep down somewhere inside of him, um, if you stick him with some true steer, he'd say, I miss being the man on my team. And I think he finally has an opportunity to do just that kind of remind folks just how good of a shooter he is, just how accomplished a scorer he is, um, just how efficient, you know, we know about the three pointers, but he can also dish the ball. Um, So obviously um, with Clay Thompson also missing at least, you know, at least the first 50, 60 games of the year, Steph Curry's really going to have an opportunity. You know, one of the important things that we talk about in, in fantasy, fantasy hoops is usage rate. Um, yep. the, the, it's the percentage of, of a, a possessions that a player either takes a shot and or is credited with an assist or a turnover. Um, and a, a Steph Curry's usage rate is going to be really high there. Obviously, he's going to be the focal point of the offense in Golden State. Um, definitely expect him to put up humongous numbers this season. Speaking of a usage rate guy um, at the point, where do you put now Russell Westbrook? I mean, he goes next to James Harden in what is going to take a little bit of time to fit together offensively, but I kind of think they're going to work it out. I do you are you nervous about his numbers at all? I mean, or at least a slow start for him, or do you think that he's still going to get Russ numbers? Yeah, I'm not as I'm I'm definitely concerned about Russell Westbrook. I have him, you know, dropped down pretty low on my draft board in the in the twenties overall. Um, the concern there, obviously. Uh, in addition to the the usage rate, and we'll, we'll tackle that in a second, he's been kind of trending down in the wrong direction in terms of yeah. field 
percentage the last couple seasons. Um, you know, his three-point shot hasn't been consistent. Now, you could argue playing alongside James Harden and, and Eric Gordon, he's going to get a, you know far more wide-open looks from, from behind three. And he's been a better catch-and-shoot three-pointer and kind of spot-up three-point shooter than he has been off the dribble when he has to four shots for Golden State. Um, so you could see that kind of uptick a little bit. Um, but certainly, you know, in terms of usage rate, the three players with the highest usage rate the last three years are James Harden and Russell Westbrook. The players that led the league in terms of touches last year, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. The players that led the league uh, were first and third, actually, in terms of um, minutes uh, per game with the ball in their hands, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So um, just like the rest of us that, that love uh, that love uh, basketball in reality are also are fascinated to see how this how this marriage will kind of work itself out. Um, we're us in fantasy hoops are definitely interested as well. Um, I'm a little more pessimistic than most, I'd say. So I'm probably planning on steering clear of Russell Westbrook, especially again. Um, it's it's obviously important to to mention that nine category leagues. That's points, rebounds, assists, turnovers, blocks, in addition to field goal percentage, free throw percentage, and turnovers. That's kind of the league standard. But there are also also some points leagues where you don't worry about percentages and turnovers and all that stuff. I do think Westbrook's going to put up a ton of points. Um, you know, a, 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 obviously we can we can expect a bit of a dip down. Um, you know, when he was averaging 30, 11, and 10. Um, but yeah. again, the, the, the Rockets offense is built for um, success, built for you know, fantasy numbers. So um, he should uh, put up, obviously, solid numbers. And I wouldn't expect too far of a dip, but I'm certainly not on, as high on him as I was, you know, heading into last year and previous season. Yeah, I I still think, by the way, that they're going to figure out a little bit. I think you're also going to see something interesting. You're going to see... You're going to see them play faster again in Houston. Chris Paul slowed them down. He is a half court guy. Obviously, uh, Harden's a fast, you know, half court guy. But I think they're going to try to get the ball like early outlets to Westbrook, or just have him get the board and go, and try to get back to a little bit more of a D'Antoni offense. And I think he can thrive there. I think you're also going to see. I expect them to stag. I expect during the season he can stagger them more. It's a uh, my questions about how that fits almost are worse on the defensive end for them. And that's uh, less of a fantasy issue and more of a, Hey, how are we going to get out of the West kind of issue? But yeah, I think that's a good point. One of the OKC's um, most efficient offensive weapons was Westbrook rebound push. Yeah, um, either attack the paint or, or create open shots. So it's a good point. Uh, surprisingly, you'd think with a with a D'Antoni, obviously seven, he made his you know the seven seconds or less is a legendary term. But they were in the middle of the t- middle of the pack in terms of pace last season. So yeah. I think that's a good point. They could up that a little bit next year. Uh, there's some solid guys at the point that you can kind of trust. I, I think Damian Lillard, obviously, you just know you're going to get good numbers out of him. You're going to get good. Drew Holiday, I think people who play fantasy probably know better. He's just solid. Dude's yeah. just solid every year. Um, what I think the interesting one is, I think Kemba Walker's going to put up maybe slightly less numbers, but still pretty good numbers in Boston. And he was probably a guy who a lot of fans, you know, Look, nobody was watching Charlotte last year because, well, Charlotte, but they weren't very good. But Kemba was putting up numbers like he had to be saving some fantasy butts out there. A hundred percent. And, you know, again, we, we it, it, a lot of the factors comes down to usage rate yeah. um, was the offense for Charlotte. Uh, day yeah. in, day out, night in, night out basis. He was the guy, got all the shots he could handle played as many minutes as he could handle. So I agree with you. I think there's, um, we can expect uh, Kemba to come back down to earth a little bit. Um, you know, he was top 10 in the league in terms of usage rate last season, uh, you know, ahead of LeBron James. 
Um, so he was kind of in that upper echelon. Brad Stevens' offense, um, you know, you're obviously going to utilize, um, certainly has far more um, offensive assets, offensive weapons than did the the uh, than, than, than than did Charlotte last season. So obviously Tatum's going to eat into that usage rate. We'll see if Gordon Hayward can bounce back. Uh, Ennis Kanter is a guy that obviously is out there for his defense, uh, for his offense, <laughs> not for his defense, no. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think uh, we uh, Kemba certainly. It's unrealistic to expect him to match the production that he put up last season. True. Uh, what do you like think about the young guys, uh, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, De'Aaron Fox, uh, and, and their next steps um, along the path? Because they all had very nice years. But do, do you still see the growth for those three guys? I certainly think there is reason to believe that they can, uh, you know, kind of continue their upward trajectory. Um, the one thing, and this is a, a question I think um, kind of uh, illuminates the difference between reality and fantasy hoops. Um, you know, Luka Doncic had a season for the ages. Uh, yeah. The only other rookie in NBA history to average 21, 8, and 7 since um, uh, the great Oscar Robertson. Uh, the numbers that he put up last year were just phenomenal, but it's also important to mention that he shot around, you know, 40, 41% from the floor, uh, was a surprisingly poor free throw shooter uh, in the low 70s and turned the ball over a ton, almost four turnovers per game. Uh, so from that perspective, he's not as valuable in a nine category fantasy league than one might expect. Um, so he's one of those guys that based on name value, um, I, I, I feel tends to get overdrafted. Um, I have him ranked around 50th, 60th overall, whereas other sites will have him in the top 15, top 20. Um, and even some of my colleagues um, believe that he can, you know, the other option is that he improves those numbers. You know, he's going to yeah. play alongside Porzingis obviously that should create um you know kind of ease the offensive burden that he had to carry last season assuming kp can stay healthy um spread the floor with the you know i think seth curry was an underrated signing by them um so assuming that he can up increase that free throw percentage and bring down that turnover rate um i think there's reason to believe that he can improve um his fantasy production but again i'm not willing to spend the draft capital that would have cost to uh buy him I'm, in, in a similar way um, I'm not as high on Trey Young as some others are. Um, some other folks have him as a top 15, top 20 overall guy. Um, I'm worried a little bit about the Trey Young we saw the first half of last season. High turnovers, yeah. low field goal percentage. Um, we'll see if he can kind of, you know, uh, the second half he was a, he was a superstar. Um, and obviously the, the three-point, he can carry a three-point category for you almost by himself. Um, but I think I need another year to prove that he can be a more efficient offensive player. Let's talk, talk about some of the other young guards out there. This is a little more over to the two spot. Um, Devin Booker. Uh, he's a guy who, it's, again, puts up, I don't know, I've, I've had people around the league describe him as an empty calories guy in the sense that he puts up numbers, but I don't know how much he helps you win. Uh, that might change a little bit this year, but he's still going to put up, like, the, the guy's just still going to put up numbers for you, right? We love empty calorie guys in fantasy hoops. <laughs> <laughs> like a fat kid loves cake. We eat that stuff up. Um, you know, again, obviously, you know, there's there's no fantasy category for wins or defensive yeah. stops or defensive, you know, you know, a defensive rating. Um, so for a guy like Booker, um, you, you know, you obviously you'd like to see his, his uh, percentage. You'd like to see him take, a, you know, a little bit better shots. Um, you know, the, the Suns have a little bit of a, a more well-rounded roster this season. Um, but Booker is a guy that every night he steps on the floor is certainly capable, if not expected, to score 30 points. Um, we'll see. He did handle a lot of the point guard duties, or at least yeah. he facilitated the offense quite frequently, frequently last season. Now that they have Ricky Rubio in 
in the mix. I think he'll certainly shift back more to a, a traditional standard, you know, two guard, off guard, uh, shooting guard positionally. Um, so that may hurt his assist numbers a little bit. Um, but again, he's still they're they're, they're going to obviously run the offense through Devin Booker as they should. Um, so I, I think he's a, a little bit undervalued. Um, I have him around twenty. I have him twenty first overall actually. Um, so I think he's one of the the, the premier shooting guards on, on the fantasy market. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I don't think you have to worry about him not getting. It's not like Ricky Rubio's taking away a bunch of shots, right? No, like, yeah. Um, Rubio's going to shoot when you leave it wide open, but he's there to set things up. And I think just having a an actual point guard next to him will help. But you've still got to go. He's not a bad pick and roll. Like you can put the ball in Devin Booker's hands and he can make plays. He's not a traditional point in a lot of ways, but I think he can play that role for stretch. It's sort of a in a Clay Thompson kind of way, right? Like he's not the point guard, but yeah, he can run it. I think that's the one benefit if you want to look at kind of the glass half full of the Suns not having a point guard for basically the entirety of Devin Booker's career. Um, is he was kind of forced to handle the ball and make plays off pick and roll action um, as the ball handler in pick and pops and stuff like that. So it's, it, it, that has worked in his benefit in some respect. Yep. One other guy that's, again, younger, um, in a brand new situation that's really hard to read. It's a, This is one of those... Nobody really knows what to expect, so I'll ask you what you expect. Um, situations. D'Angelo Russell is we look obviously put up points last year and and put up good numbers and really was a good leader and kind of matured a lot in in Brooklyn. But this is a situation now where look, Clay is going to have the ball in his hands and how are they going to make that fit? I, I, he's still going to put up numbers, but I'm just not sure quite what to expect from him. Me too. Yeah, that's really is a fascinating scenario out in Golden State. He's, you know, he's obviously a younger guy still, you know, entering his prime. It'll be fascinating to see how Kerr kind of utilizes his. I Obviously, we can assume he's going to play off the ball a bunch and play some point when Steph, um, yeah. you know, goes bench you know they'll stagger them a little bit certainly um while especially while clay's out um but that changes you know dr- dramatically once thompson returns um you know how are they going to find room for him and then uh, remember the end of the season is the the end of the regular season is the playoff time for fantasy guys um so they'll be working clay thompson in the mix um assuming clay comes back even though that that's certainly not a given at this stage of the game um but yeah i'm i'm concerned about russell um just figuring out his, his place it may take him a little bit of time um we know Steph isn't selfish he'll look for him and they have enough shooters to spread the floor Draymond Green will uh you know do his best to facilitate the offense as well but um I'm a little bit skeptical of exactly how Russell's going to fit in um remember prior to last season he had been a you know a disappointing pro yep. um in terms of especially in terms of offensive efficiency um so I'm not uh, I'm not sold on on Russell so I'm probably going to lean back and let somebody else take the chance and gamble that he'll be able to step right in and make an immediate impact I think Donovan Mitchell's an interesting case because I think in a lot of ways he will take a step forward I mean he he and Popovich had long talks this summer about leadership he obviously look the one game they you know the big game that team USA lost it wasn't Donovan he had 29 he was he stepped up um, but he steps, you know, he steps up and he takes this role and he can take on more, but he comes back to a team that now has, you know, Mike Conley at the point and Bogdanovich out there, as well as, you know, uh, probably the best role man in the league in, uh, Rudy Gobert. I, I don't know that you're going to see a bump. In, he might play better and more efficiently, but I don't know that you're going to see much of a bump in production just because there's so much around him now. Exactly. And I think if anything, you may see a downtick in production. I think Mitchell's another one of those guys that's better in reality than fantasy. Yeah. Um, you know, 
He's a dog that'll get your points, play well in the clutch, not afraid of the big moment. Um, but for his career, he's a 43% field goal shooter. That's not overly encouraging. Um, you know, shoots about 35% league average from three-point territory, around 80% free throw shooter. Um, not a great assist guy, um, give you some steals, but not a terrific rebounder from the point. A lot of that's to do with favors and Gobert gobbling up rebounds his first couple of years in the league. Um, but obviously, uh, Mitchell's greatest value is his scoring, um, nearly 24 points a game last year. Um, and, uh, you know, around four points, four rebounds, uh, four assists and, and four rebounds as well. Um, I agree with you. I think with Bogey and, and Connolly on the floor, that could increase his percentage. You know, it'll, it'll prevent him from kind of forcing uh, last second shots uh, that he probably had to do more frequently than he would have preferred, or at least Coach Quinn Snyder would have preferred last season. Um, so I think there's a reason for him to become a more efficient player. But I think we can expect a down, a little bit of a downtick in scoring. Um, so for that reason, I'm, I'm down on Donovan Mitchell from a fantasy perspective as well. Uh, obviously, there's some big point getters at the top of the shooting guard market too. I mean, James Harden on top of your draft board or number two? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, have no, I have Curry number one and James Harden number two. You could certainly make a case for that. How Harden is the is yeah. the preeminent fantasy player uh, in the sport. Um, but uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with with really, you know, Curry, Harden, Carl Anthony Towns, and Anthony Davis are kind of universally viewed as kind of the top four. And take them in any which order you like, based on um, your appetite for you know potential. Uh, uh, injury, you know, with Anthony Davis, et cetera, whereas Katz, you know, been a, an Iron Man. Um, but yeah, yeah in, in terms of Harden, you know what he's going to bring to the table. Russell Westbrook's a bit of a concern, but um, make no mistake, just look at the last three years, the numbers Harden has put, no matter who's been on the floor with him, um, this guy's a monster. And any anybody that's the best player and the guy that Mike D'Antoni puts the ball in, in his hands most often is going to be a, uh, going to put up monster fantasy stats and Harden has done just that. I think another guy who could take a step forward in putting up numbers this year and trying to get recognized, even though the team is, and partially because the team is going to stink, is Bradley Beal. Um, I, look, he wants the Supermax contract. He has to make an all-NBA team to get it. I think he's going to try to take on more. Uh, you know, look, and there isn't John Wall there. They got they got rid of Otto Porter and Sadoransky and all these people who could actually, you know, help. They're not, they're not going to be a good team. It's going to put a lot on Beal, but that could mean just a whole lot of Beal. Uh, I mean, talk about a guy who's going to have a high usage rate this year. Hundred percent. You know, um, you know, when, when their big free agent signing is Ish Smith and Isaiah Thomas, yeah. who's already injured, that's not overly encouraging. Uh, I'm high on Beal. Um, he's been con- incredibly consistent. Obviously, you know, he's the longest current streak of active games played. Played all 82 games last season. That's one thing to keep in mind. Um, Although towards the end of the year, the Wizards are 20 games out of the eighth seed. Will will Beal take a night off here or there? Will they rest him? Um, he, they didn't last year, to their credit, to Beal's credit. He wanted to stay on the floor. Um, we'll see how that plays itself out. Um, so that's one thing on the on, on the negative side of being the best player and the only really talented player on a really bad team is that, um, one, defenses are going to focus on you. You know he's going to see doubles every night. But he's seen that throughout his career. He's proven he can be effective. The other kind of more worrisome concern from a fantasy perspective is will they rest him? You know, if he has yeah. – if, you know, Edward Biddy has an ankle sprain, they're going to make sure he's 110% before they, they rush him back on the floor because they're going to be, you know, wink, wink, tanking. Um, so we'll see how it plays itself out. But yes, uh, in terms of a, a production standpoint, um, you know, uh, Scott Brooks has talked about him wanting to average eight assists per game, nine assists per game. Well, I think that's certainly a lot 
Um, and, and I would be surprised if he can get up in that neighborhood. Um, he could certainly lead the team in assists around, you know, six and a half, seven and a half. Um, and you know he's going to score. You know he's going to score efficiently, give you plenty of threes. Um, really everything you want. Um, he's kind of one of the guys I'm targeting if I have one of the last picks in the first round. Um, just because I, I he, he has a super high floor but also a high ceiling. Again, as you mentioned, is really the only uh, offensive offensively talented really capable star player on that wizards roster who, who do you have as a, in your guard list as like a sleeper who are you looking at among guards where like this guy could fall a little bit and i could really do well grabbing him uh i think there's guys like malcolm brogdon um you know obviously he's gonna have a chance to run the show in indiana now he's a guy that's you know last year flirted with that 50 that mythical 50 40 90 slash percentages um 50 from a floor 40 percent from downtown and 90 percent from the three-point line um so he's one of those guys that i think um is certainly ready to take that next step and develop into a star another guy that a lot of people are going to have their eyes on is shea gilders alexander yeah. out in okc um, it'll be very interesting. I think in terms of talent, um, he has the tools to really develop into a solid pro. Um, if they traded Chris Paul already, I'd be all in. Um, I'd be ready to invest heavily in, in SGA. Um, with Chris Paul there, um, it, it kind of complicates the issue a little bit. Are they going to play Chris Paul a bunch and try to raise his value, his trade value, and then hope to move him at the deadline? Um, so it's a little bit of a complication. But in terms of talent, um, especially if you're playing in keeper or dynasty leagues, um, Gilders Alexander is, is a extremely exciting yeah um anybody that you're trying to avoid at the guard spot where you're like i just i think this is a step back year for that person yeah i wouldn't say i want to avoid those guys but i think two guys we talked about trey young and luka Doncic, two guys that are are incredibly talented and will put up good numbers but i'm not willing to uh invest a second round pick in trey young or second round pick in either of those guys um or even an early third to be honest uh, for that reason, I'm probably not going to get my hands in them. That doesn't mean I think they're going to have a poor season. Again, I'm just not willing to invest the draft capital. I'd rather go with more uh, guys with a higher floor, the Devin Bookers, the Nikola Vucevic's, the Jimmy Butlers. While they, name, while they may not be as exciting as young um, and, and have the same potential upside in, in terms of a career, I think for the 2019-20 season, I'd rather invest in those guys with my early round picks. Uh, let's move on to the forward spots. Uh you know, it's, it's. I found it interesting. You talked about the big four fantasy guys. Giannis Antetokounmpo doesn't end up on that list. Is that just because of the percentages? I mean, obviously he's putting up numbers and impacting the game, and obviously part of his impact, the defensive impact, doesn't necessarily show up in in a fantasy way. But the guy's still got to have a lot of value. A hundred percent. He's fifth, universally viewed as fifth. Um, the, as you mentioned, the one thing that hurts Giannis is is the field goal percentage and also his lack of threes. Yeah. Um, he doesn't provide the same number of threes as those other guys, um, and his turnovers are a bit high. Um, he's another guy that has the ball in his hands a lot. Um, if and when Giannis does uh, start knocking down three-pointers, he truly will be an unstoppable force, not just from a reality perspective. Um, guys being unable to go under picks and you know, dare, kind of daring him to shoot uh, from downtown, he'll also be an unstoppable fantasy force. Um, but yeah, just, just that he doesn't, that's the one category that he doesn't bring to the table uh, that those other four guys do. I, I think one of the more curious cases in terms of fantasy is look, I don't think anybody questions that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in Los Angeles are going to be really good and they will put up numbers. But this is a case where the load management, I mean, Paul George, you're not going to see till probably Thanksgiving ish. Um, and Kawhi Leonard, you know, do they rest him more late in the season? I, I imagine that that becomes the challenge in picking them because when they're on the court, they're going to put up great numbers. It's just a question of like how often you can use them. A 
hundred percent. And that is, we have entered um, the load management era. You know, yeah. it's going to impact fantasy. It's going to impact um, those of us that cover the league um, non-fantasy wise. Um, it's, it's really will be interesting to see how teams and players and owners and general managers kind of get involved. Um, you know, it, it's speaking directly specifically about Kawhi Leonard, the Raptors sort of laid a blueprint last season. You know, they kept, they, they rested him 22 games, um, kept him fresh for the postseason. And he was fresh and ready to dominate the postseason. You know, averaged 39 minutes a game, didn't sit out a postseason contest, and carried the Raptors to their their first uh, title in franchise history. Um, so you'd have to think that the Clippers have taken that into account. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of the realization that regular season games are not as valuable as games played in uh, April and June. And, you know, if you can get there, um, you know, the, the, the playoffs and, and the latter round of the playoffs. So if you have a talented team, a team with solid depth, as do the Clippers, as did the Raptors. You can really bide your time. Um, it's a different situation with the Kawhi. Obviously, he was coming off a season in San Antonio where he participated in just nine contests. So he's obviously healthier than he was at the start of last season. So I certainly don't expect the Clippers to sit him out 20, 22 games as the Raptors did last season. But I think it's very safe to assume he'll sit out at least half the back-to-backs, maybe another night here and there if they have a you know four yeah. games in six days uh, scenario. Obviously, Adam Silver and the NBA has, has done their best to try to eliminate those scenarios. Um, but yeah, uh, for that reason, Kawhi Leonard is is a very interesting player and, and ditto for Paul George. Um, certainly not the same from, from the specifically the load management perspective, but coming off two shoulder surgeries, there's a lot to be concerned about. Um, when he's on the floor, Paul George is a monster. Um, you know, he finished actually third overall in per game uh, fantasy production last year in nine category leagues. Um, obviously had the best three point shooting year of his career. Um, we know about the steals, uh, always yeah. amongst the leaders in steals, um, very high field goal percentage blocks, you know, everything. He brings everything to the table. Personally, I'm going to shy away from him um, just because there's just such uncertainty there. Um, you know, if he was healthy, I'd probably have him in that five to six range, you know, with the Antetokounmpo and the Nikola Jokic's of the world. Um, but as a result of his uncertainty going forward, the fact that the, the, that the Clippers have no reason to rush him back into the lineup. Again, he only has two years. He can opt out in a couple of years. They want to create a, you know, same thing with the Raptors did with Kawhi. It didn't work out, unfortunately, but they want to do everything in their power to create a, you know, a, a, a bond, a, a strong relationship between the player in the team um so they're going to listen to him they're going to listen to what his you know his personal trainers um get multiple opinions and wait they again they have no reason to rush him back so for that reason i probably wouldn't take him until you know the third round or so and i think somebody else will roll the dice before then so unfortunately i probably won't have any paul georges on my teams this year what about the other superstar combo in la uh lebron i mean there's two ways of looking at this either they're going to be Look, father time is starting to win the race and you're going to see him get a little more load management and maybe we don't expect as much of him um, versus, oh, he's healthy and he's rested. He's never had this kind of time off. He's ready to go. He's going to bounce back. And then there's Anthony Davis, who I think really wants to show the world after last season. I I, I expect, let's just say, I expect a big year from him. I agree. Uh, uh, Addressing LeBron first, I am on the LeBron bandwagon this year. I think that... A lot of people have forgotten just how talented he is. Um, for my money, he remains the best basketball player on planet Earth. You know, remember, even in a down year last year, he averaged 27, 8, and 8. Um, obviously, missed, you know, only played 55 games. Um, you know, 
missed time with a significant injury for the first time in his career. But the year prior, uh, he finished sixth overall in nine cat formats. He played in all 82 contests, as we know. I think um, Kevin O'Connor had a good piece in the ringer where he talked about this is kind of, he kind of related it to Michael Jordan's revenge year um, when he came back and just, you know, made it a point that I'm going to set the league on fire. I'm going to remind folks um, just how good I am, uh, the high level that I can play at. I think a motivated, extremely motivated, rested and healthy LeBron James is a very scary proposition for the rest of the league. LeBron has plenty of talent on that roster, obviously with the inclusion of Anthony Davis. Um, Anthony Davis, as you mentioned, uh, there's no reason, you know, I, I think people don't, uh, he's another guy. I, I don't think the basketball public at yeah. large understands just how talented Anthony Davis is, um, you know, because he kind of was, was hidden away there uh, in New Orleans for the first, you know, six or seven years of his career. There's literally nothing this guy can't do on the basketball court. You know, a lot of talk about unicorns. He was kind of the, the first unicorn um, in terms of ability to block shots, knock down threes. Um, he can do it all. So I, I, the obviously the only concern with Davis is, has been his durability. Uh, to his credit, he's played in 75 games each of the last couple of years, but that doesn't mean he hasn't been ding, dinged up. Um, it's almost like on a nightly basis he goes to locker room for an ankle or an elbow or a wrist. Um, my concern with Davis and the reason I have him fourth out of, you know, we talked about those big four up top. The reason I have him fourth, if you told me he's going to play 75 games, you know, 70, 80 games this season, I'd take him number one. I just think there's a greater likelihood of him missing time than those other guys. I think one of the interesting cases going into this year, Jimmy Butler, uh, a guy who's literally getting, getting to bed, getting up and working out before the bars even close in Miami right now, uh, getting at three 30 in the morning. Uh, look, I'm not questioning his work ethic. He's a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands, but you know, I don't know on a team kind of in flux. I'm, they've got to showcase Dragic a little, if they want to sh- trade him, I, I'm not quite sure what direction they're going. Uh, just because you mentioned Dragic, he's a guy I probably would have liked to mention in terms of an underrated guy. He's fallen really far in the fantasy drafts I've taken part of over the last couple of weeks. I'm talking, you know, one of the last picks in the draft outside the top 120, top 140 players overall. Um, this guy was an all-star a couple of years ago. Obviously, health injuries are a major concern. But if you can get Dragic really late in your drafts, uh, I think it makes sense. I think he's a good value, a good sleeper, primarily for the point that you had made, um, the fact that they'd probably love to part ways with him if they could in a trade that brings back a, a better, more reliable point guard. Is that Chris Paul? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. You, t- you talk about uh, Albatross contract. Certainly Chris Paul <laughs> is one of his own. Um, but uh, we'll see how that plays itself out. Um, but yes, either way, even if Dragic is healthy, Butler's a guy that's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Really solid fantasy player. Again, may not have the sky-high ceiling as some of the other, um, you know, more sexy picks, the Drew Holidays, the, the Kyrie Irvings. Um, but Jimmy Butler, you know what he's going to bring to the table. He's been durable, um, you know, supplies, stuffs the stat sheet, points, rebounds, blocks, assists. Shoots a relatively high percentage, gives you some threes. Um, so he's a guy that's very tempting uh, towards the end of round two. I'm, I'm high on Jimmy Butler into the season. Uh, a couple of years, the, the, we'll see if the Heat regret that contract as he's on the wrong side of 30. Um, but I think he, again, he's another guy that's motivated, looking to prove that the um, that the Heat made a wise investment in handing him that money. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask about Tobias Harris, but I feel like that just brings up the Sixers in general. I mean, obviously, Joel Embiid is going to be a, a quality fantasy player and a guy who's going to put up points and rebounds and get you some blocks and stuff. But, like, how do you judge the rest of them and how they're going to balance this out, especially without Redick there anymore? Um, more Ben Simmons. Do you expect a bigger year out of Tobias Harris? Like, I'm not even sure where that. 
I expect them to be very good. I'm just not sure where that offensive balance is going to land. It's a good point. I, I think it, they need to somehow, you know, I think the impact of J.J. Redick, you know, having the, you know, two or three best, you know, best years of his career, he was a very important piece, uh, kind of balance that offense, spread the floor, prevent defenses from packing it in, especially when Ben Simmons is on the floor. Um, so, yes, I agree with you. I think they'll rely heavily on Tobias Harris um, to kind of increase his three-point production. Uh, hopefully he can ama- maintain his, his solid field goal percentage. Um, and Bede is an interesting case. Um, he's another one of those guys. He told me he's going to play 75 yep. games. Um, I feel in um, from a per game production standpoint, he's, he's incredible. And uh, just uh, on the first day of practice um, yesterday, he told reporters that his goal is to play more than 70 games. Um, interestingly. Um, so we'll see, uh, you know, if he can keep to his word, he said he's, you know, motivated to win MVP and defensive player of the year and appearing in more games will increase that. Um, it wasn't just injuries. He just ran out of gas yes. last year. His condi- conditioning is an issue for him I, that's why the him allegedly i mean i always you never know but dropping 20 pounds right. isn't like his conditioning this year and what kind of shape he's in by the way same same thing with Doncic. like it just he was a yep. little bit doughy last year we'll see if those and he seemed to get in better shape as the year went on if those guys come back in really peak shape then that changes the dynamic for both of them a hundred percent. Yes. Conditioning was a major issue for both those guys. I, I, you just look at the footage from, from Embiid, his body didn't look that much different. So we'll yeah. see, um, you know, we'll, we'll see early on, but um, you know, it, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. And Ben Simmons uh, in, from a fantasy perspective, um, as the rest of the Eastern conference and the rest of the league is also interested, will this guy make a three pointer? Yeah. Will he attempt a three pointer um, going into next season? Because everything else he obviously does well. Um, the, the two issues from a fantasy perspective, perspective uh, with Ben Simmons is the lack of three-point ability um, and the um, uh, poor free throw percentage. He can really hurt you from the free throw line, you know, just a career around 50% free throw shooter. Um, So that's certainly not uh, an encouraging situation. Tommy, 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 Uh, clearly you have not watched the videos of Ben Simmons hitting threes in a wide open gym uncontested that obviously show that he he will have no problem in an NBA game. I got, you're you're right. I forgot that he shot off balance, one foot, you know, three pointers with his form still all jacked up, and his left hand <laughs> not sure if right handed or. A th- but he made it in a gym somewhere in Los Angeles, um, and somebody got an Instagram. So I, you're right; he'll hit more threes than Steph Curry this year. So we're, we're, we're all good, we're, exactly. Um, speaking of, like, you know, I, we talked about the Sixers as a team. I'm going to do this with somebody, another team, and take it from another angle. You've got a superstar potentially coming up in Zion Williamson, uh, who, who should have an interesting rookie year. I, I get it. If you're in a keeper league, he becomes, you know, one of the, I don't know how many of those there really are, but if you're in one of the rare NBA, you know, basketball keeper leagues, um, mm-hmm. he has more value, but as a, for a one year situation I, on that team where they've got JJ Redick. Now they've got drew holiday. They've got guys like Brandon Ingram who can put up points. Um, Lonzo's there. I, I'm not sure what kind of, not, like I like him a lot as a player, but I'm not sure what kind of numbers he's going to put up this year. We're on the same page. It's one of the more interesting kind of debates right now in fantasy hoops is how high do you have Zion Williamson ranked? Some have him as high as 15 overall. Me personally, I have him in the thirties. Um, as you mentioned, first of all, that it, it, 
credit to David Griffin for yes. kind of rebuilding that roster on the fly. Incredible summer. I mean, their backcourt is stacked. Holiday, Lonzo Ball, another guy we can talk about um, where we where video footage means relatively yes. nothing. The, the the video that surfaced yesterday that the Pelicans put out, um, it does look like he has improved his form. He's certainly not bringing it to the cross other side of his body. Um, so that's encouraging from that perspective. Um, but yeah, J.J. Redick, they brought in Josh Hart. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker's a rookie I'm really excited about that they got in the middle of the first round. Um, so yeah, they, they, they are definitely a league pass team that I'm oh, yeah. excited to watch about. Zion specifically, uh, I'll start with the pros. I think he will be able to transition defensively right out of the chute. Um, he will be arguably one of the better help defenders in the NBA right out of the gate. I mean, just in terms of his instincts, we know about his incredible athleticism, explosiveness. Um, he had a, showed a really impressive basketball IQ um, from the defensive end of the floor during his days at Duke. So I think the steals and the blocks will be there. I think he'll get also get a ton of easy baskets in transition. Drew Holiday, Alonzo Ball pushing the basket, uh, pushing the ball up the floor. I think he'll get a lot of dunks. Um, my concerns are, are for Zion this year specifically are, are primarily twofold. One, we just talked about conditioning. We've never seen a player in the 280, 200, you know, wherever you, 275, 285, we've never seen a 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, guy carry that much weight, um, you know, for the duration of an 82-game season and be truly effective. Um, you know, when Barkley, a lot of people make the Barkley comparison, but when Barkley was really special and playing his best basketball in Philly and during his years in Phoenix was, was when he trimmed down um, and got in the best shape of his career. Um, we saw Zion look a, look a little doughy in summer league, and he only lasted nine minutes and played one game. Um, can He will get into better shape as the season goes on. He will trim down. I assume they want him playing at a little bit lesser, yeah. uh, a little bit lower weight, especially at the start of, the, of his career. Um, so we, we'll see how that plays itself out. Can he stay healthy? The other thing is, in the half-court offense, how is he going to be able to get his buckets? Um, shot a decent percentage from, from the floor, uh, very high percentage from the floor, but a lot of those were on dunks at Duke. Uh, shot a decent, surprisingly decent percentage from three-point land. Um, actually shot a higher percentage from three-point territory than R.J. Barrett and or Cam Reddish last season at Duke. I'm just not convinced with his form. The way he has to, you know, his slow delivery, brings the ball all the way down from his stomach up to his top. Um, I'm just not convinced that that's going to be, um, that he's going to be able to get points and buckets um, in a half-court offense. Um, so I'm just not I'm just not as high on him as some might be. Um, I see there are, there are some potential flaws, and, you know, and obviously he's free throw shooting as well. There are some guys in the power forward range who I think you can count on to just uh, good good players on bad teams who can get you fantasy points. Julius Randle, I think, will have a good year. Aaron Gordon will always kind of puts up numbers. Blake Griffin, if he can stay on the floor and stay healthy, should be that guy. I kind of like Laurie Markkinen in that kind of role too. I think that I, I just I think that the Bulls are going to be better than people think, and I think he's going to have a quality year. Uh, I'm with you on marketing. I think he's a little bit underrated. Um, he's a guy that can give you 20 points. He's also a three-point marksman, um, so he can really help you out in that category. And unlike the guys you mentioned, uh, the Blake Griffins and the who averaged uh, you know over four turnovers per game, um, Julius Randle was about 3.8 turnovers per game. He really needs to be more efficient and make better decisions with the basketball. Uh, marketing's a guy that kind of just steps back um, and doesn't. While he doesn't get as many assists as, as a Blake Griffin per se, um, also has far fewer turnovers. Um, really efficient scorer as well, good free throw shooter. Um, so Markkinen's a guy that um, I actually have ranked higher than both of um, uh, both um, uh, Randall and and 
and Blake Griffin, another guy in the Bulls. Uh, while yeah. we're talking about efficient forward stuff, the stat sheet, Otto yeah. Porter. Um, he's he's a guy that continues to fly under the radar. Um, it's just a quality all around player, both in the, the fantasy and reality aspect. Um, so I think those two Bulls are are, are solid mid range targets um, in fantasy. Draft. Another team that's just got an interesting fantasy, like the Toronto Raptors, are going to be good. Kyle Lowry is going to get buckets. I, I, but this starts to become more about, look, they're just going to start feeding Pascal Siakam. He's going to be their future there. I, I, that could make him a really nice pick. Absolutely. Uh, Siakam is one of those guys that, uh, you know, if you could win the most improved player two years in a row, uh, I think that, you know, you can make a case for Siakam um, really as much as he improved from the prior season to last season, he could take another step forward uh, towards stardom this year. Um, one of the, the the aspects of the Raptors roster that I'll certainly keep an eye on in the preseason and the training camp is how often do they play um, Fred Van Vliet at yeah. the two kind of off the ball alongside Kyle Lowry. Um, it sounds like him and Norman Powell are bad for that shooting guard spot. Um, Van Vliet's a guy that could really, really increase his value. He's also a free agent. Um, it's really, but the other thing with the with the Raptors, it's difficult to predict. Um, will they make some moves in February? Obviously, um, it seems like half the rosters are, are pending, you know, unrestricted free agents. Um, you know, Gasol uh, has an ability to opt out. Kyle Lowry's going to hit free agent market. They're obviously going to want to lock up Siakam. Van Vliet's going to be free agent at the end of this season. So, um, yeah, they're a very interesting team heading into season um another guy i think could have a breakout year is i guess four or five I, I, i'm not sure if you're playing him at the center more or 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 at the power forward in the memphis a team that's not going to be terribly good but uh, i do like jaron jackson jr a lot Jaron Jackson Jr. profiles as kind of the 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 ideal prototypical stretch four right. slash stretch five in today's NBA. Um, can obviously shoot the three. Um, was the youngest player in the draft last year coming out of Michigan State and really uh, exceeded expectations early on for Memphis. Um, you, you watch the kid, you fall in love with him. Um, when you see what he can do uh, in relatively limited minutes, um, block shots, control the paint on one end, step out, stretch defensive stretch defenses and knock down three pointers at the other end of the floor. Um, we'll see if he can stay healthy. Um, we'll see how much um, the Grizzlies are willing to kind of, um, you know, if, if they're ready to unleash him and, and play him a ton of minutes um, going forward. Um, it'll be very interesting. And also um, what they do with Brandon Clark, who's another guy I was shocked that slipped uh, to, to 21st overall in this recent draft. He's an NBA. He's actually older than Jaron Jackson Jr., one of the older players in the first round. Um, but coming off a terrific season at Gonzaga, um, this kid is a, a special athlete, an NBA-ready player. Um, so he'll also chew up some minutes at, at the 4-5 and five as well. Um, so, the yeah, I, I like what, the, what Memphis will do. Um, certainly some interesting young players in that roster. They'll be a team I keep an eye on. Uh, well, we're talking about centers. Obviously, Carl uh, Anthony Towns is at the top of any uh, fantasy draft board. Jokic can't be that far down, though, because just he's going to get you points. He's going to get you assists, and he's he's going to get you rebounds. He's going to do a little bit of everything. Gotta love Jokic. I have him seventh overall, uh, sixth overall, actually, just behind Giannis, um, a couple spots behind Carl Anthony Towns. Um, Jokic is, uh, it, it sounds weird, and we talked about conditioning, but that's one player that doesn't seem um, to have a major impact because he's certainly not in the uh, you know, he's not, he doesn't have a weightlifter's physique, but um, and it's weird that the best pl- passer on the planet may be a doughy seven footer uh, from Serbia. But uh, in my for my money, um, I love watching Jokic play um, first seven footer. The only other seven footer in NBA history to average over seven assists per game was the great Will Chamberlain. Um, so Jokic should be around that number again. Plenty of points, plenty of rebounds, solid percentages across the board. Um, you got to love Jokic, a rock solid foundational piece as a first round pick. Uh, 
there's some solid guys at center. If I think if you get Nikola Vucevic, you're going to be, you know, look, you're just going to get some points and, and Rudy Gobert can help you out there. But I think an interesting, I don't sleeper would totally be the wrong word here because he's kind of a well-known figure, but he's coming off the injury. What do you expect out of Chris Tapps Porzingis this year? Because he could be, I mean, both in fantasy and just regular, it could be back to being a unicorn and a beast, but you don't know. Very interesting. Him, uh, I mentioned Zion Williamson and the other player that's probably the most debated, most talked about um, player in fantasy drafts this year is Porzingis. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that can make a break a draft. You're probably going to have to spend a, you know an early third round pick to get him. And if he plays 75 games or 72 games or 70 games, there's a very good chance he's going to outproduce uh, his draft position. You know, he could very easily could finish in the the top, uh, you know, 15, top even top 10 overall on a per game basis. Remember, the first month of the uh, the first uh, month of the 2017-18 season, he was averaging 30 points, 11 rebounds, two three pointers, two blocks. I mean, those that's when he was the truly putting up unicorn numbers. Um, so again, if you told me he's going to play 75 games, I'd spend a top 25 pick on him, let alone a top 35 or top 40 pick. The reality is, guy hasn't set foot on the floor on an NBA court in 20 months. Um, in addition, prior to the ACL, he had a bunch of nagging injuries that limited his production with the Knicks over his first, you know, first three years in the league. Um, elbow injury, ankle injuries. Um, uh, remarkably, remember he was drafted in 2015. Kristaps Porzingis has played one one game in April in his entire NBA career. <laughs> um, you know, forget about playoffs. He's only made it past March. For, and, and played in one game in April in his entire NBA career. So um, the, if, if, you know, if past performance is the best indicator of, of future production, there's certainly reasons to be concerned that even if the knee stays healthy, that he's not going to be dinged up. Again, a 7-3 guy that flies around the court and does the amazing things that he does um, often, unfortunately, lead to a bunch of nagging injuries that, that sideline him here and there. Um, if you want to be boring and probably do well in your fantasy league, should you draft but, um, LaMarcus Aldridge and or DeMar DeRozan? Oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Those are guys I've, I've drafted consistently in the in the first couple of drafts. I, it seems year after year, they don't have the sexy upside of the Siakams or the Zion Williamsons or the DeAndre Aytons uh, or certainly the Porzingis, but they're going to step on the floor and give you, you know, Aldridge is going to knock down his boring 18 footer from the, you know, from the foul line extended, and he's going to get rebounds and he's going to shoot a high percentage. Um, as far as DeRozan's concerned, um, I would love him to, obviously we, you know, you'd like to see him stretch his, his, his uh, range out to the three point arc. He just seems like that's not something he's willing to no. um, either invest time in or, or whatever. He occasionally he'll do it too. He'll do it for a stretch and you're like, look, he's doing it. He does it. And he's like, nah, I'm going back. You know, um, so other than that, um, so for that reason, but he, he became the, he was the first player in Spurs franchise history to average more than 20 points, five rebounds and five assists per game last year. Um, so the, he, he was a better distributor of the basketball than people give him credit for. Um, and yes, as you mentioned, it's, it's certainly not as, as enticing um, as some other guys, but, uh, you know, draft them. Um, nobody's going to say, Hey, great pick dude, but he's a guy at the end of the year, he'll probably be on a lot of championship fantasy teams. Yeah, exactly. Um, we talked. We've gone through a lot of players. Like, who's on your list of sleepers? Who are the, who are who are the guys who can slide down that you're thinking this year? Man, this guy could have the breakout year. He's just getting overlooked, and and he can really help me out. 
Sure. I, I think you talk about boring guys. Uh, Cody Zeller, yep. um, you know, for the Hornets. You know, you mentioned uh, Kemba leaving. They also uh, lost Jeremy Lamb. Uh, he signed with the Pacers. Uh, Lamb and, and, and Kemba Walker accumulated combined 34% of the total points scored for the Hornets last season and 34% of the field goals taken um, in Charlotte. So there's, I mean, that's just a large slice of offensive pie that needs to get divvied up and, and, and kind of spread out elsewhere. Uh, so for that reason, Zeller's a really boring pick. You can get him outside of the top 100, outside of the top 120. Um, but my money says he finishes in the, you know, the top 80-ish overall. Um, again, it's not always about talent in fantasy hoops. It's about right place, yeah. right time. Um, and, and, and being in, taking advantage of this opportunity. Another guy um, on Charlotte is Miles Bridges. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, showed really, you know, fantastic upside at this, you know, towards the last month of the, of the prior season. And again, with all those shots up for grabs and offensive opportunities, I think he takes advantage of them. Um, uh, as far as other sleepers, Bam Abadayo. Yeah. I love um, him. I, I love yeah. him as a breakout guy this year. Hundred um, percent. He's a guy that certainly will be, in my opinion, in the running for the Most Improved Player award. Um, obviously, with Hassan Whiteside now uh, in Portland, there's just a real pe- there's a real runway for him to build up speed and take off this year as a guy that could really break out of it and, and really establish himself as a star this season. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, who else are you trying to, uh, trying to avoid? Again, might be these strong words, but you're like, and I just am not going to pick this guy high because a lot of teams are going to be. There's a lot of buzz around him, but he doesn't necessarily help you as much in fantasy as as you'd like to think. Uh, sure, you know I mentioned Ben Simmons, yeah, um, guy that I'm not as high on as others because I'm just not buying into the hype um, that he's all of a sudden gonna, you know, based on a few uh, Instagram posts of him shooting jumpers in a gym, um, I'm I'm not buying that he's going to be a player that's going to that's quite ready to kind of take the next step. Um, towards fantasy superstardom. Um, Jason Tatum, I'm not as confident that he's going to have the breakout year that some other guys um, are, are willing to invest in. You know, we mentioned Blake Griffith. Um, he, you know, was great last year. Um, but again, due to the, the, the issues with field goal percentage and turnovers, um, finished outside the top 50. And that was even when he was healthy. I'm just not, con- not, not convinced that he's going to be, you know, that knee is 100% or will be anytime soon. Um, so I, pro- I have him a lot lower. As far as players I'm targeting that I personally have higher in my rankings um, than men, than many others will, um, Larry Nance is one of those guys. Um, I love him as a value pick this season. Um, you know, as we talked about uh, with this with the situation in Charlotte, even on really bad teams, and the Cavs are going to be one of the worst teams in the league this season. Somebody needs to score. Somebody needs to rebound. Somebody's going to get assists. Um, and for that reason, I love Larry Nance. Um, he's kind of a poor man's Draymond Green from a fantasy perspective. Um, so I think he'll really um, outproduce his actual draft position. TJ Warren's another guy. Um, he's always been a, a solid fantasy contributor during his days in, in Phoenix. Um, I thought the Pacers stole him on draft day. I think he's going to be a valuable piece for them going forward. He'll kind of replace, the, or ideally for their from the, for their perspective, and place what Bogdanovich had, had given them last year. Um, so I think he has a chance to finish in the top 70 overall in terms of fantasy contributors he's always shot around you know the 48 to 50 percent from the floor give you some threes um so he's another guy um and um you know one other guy you know we, we had mentioned uh bridges and zeller in charlotte uh terry rosier obviously yeah. filling in for um kemba walker he's uh, again a ton of shots a ton of uh, offensive opportunities up for grabs i think we can all agree that we uh, that we think the hornets overpaid for rosier um but from a fantasy perspective that means they're probably going to invest um you know that they're committed to him you know um which is good sign for his uh, playing time and production what about a guy and, and- 
who is, look, nobody would want to draft him. You don't actually probably want him on your team in a real basketball world setting, but in a fantasy setting, Andrew Wiggins can get you some buckets. As far as Wiggins is concerned, I understand, it, especially if you play in a point league, um, then there's reasons uh, you know, to invest in his points. He can get you 18 points a night. Um, but for my concern with Wiggins is he just hasn't improved uh, his offensive efficiency. In <laughs> fact, he's, he's gotten worse every year. You know, That's not just your concern, Tommy. You mean the Wolves that have $150 million invested over the next four years are concerned they, as They well? would trade him for a rack uh, of shoot-around uh, basketballs if they could. Anyway. A hundred percent. Yeah, they dumped that Albatross contract. Um, it's gone from shooting 45% to 43% to 41% uh, each of the last three years. So for that reason, I'm uh, I'm not uh, in the, I don't want to get in the Andrew Wiggins business. All right, fair enough. Uh, look, this is a lot of great information. To, uh, where can everybody get these? Again, the draft guides available through Roto World. And uh, where can they follow everybody, you and your information on Twitter as we uh, as we head in and, and, and the other social media spots? As we head yes. into the uh, into the draft season and into the NBA season, yeah, definitely check out that that draft guide on Roto World. Um, very easy to to click and and uh, and purchase. As far as me um, at, at Tommy Beer um, on Twitter, uh, I post all my articles and thoughts and ramblings and um, getting mad at the Knicks information there. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, at Tommy Beer on Twitter. Definitely, if you have any uh, individual questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'll get back to you. I, I've, I, by the way, have seemed to have pissed off. Uh, we, we ran the AP story just kind of as this, the Knicks training camp media day and the, yeah. he, put up the headline that they were trying to sell that they got the team they wanted. Man, there's a lot of Knicks fans who genuinely believe in this team. <laughs> Nick's Twitter is a, as I guess any you know, any Twitter grouping is, is a very interesting bunch. Um, yes, I, I think I think it's co- kind of a combination of Nick fans being sensitive that they feel that they're being un- that the team is being unfairly attacked um, because um, the expectations were so high that they were going to get either KD or Kyrie and Zion, and the offseason what wasn't as as productive as obviously as they hoped they would, um, and the and the uh, so there is hope that they can at least move in the right direction. They sign players that are veterans and are competitive and they're not going to tank. So yeah. listen, you know, it's, it's the first day, the first day of school and everybody thinks that they can um, get the hottest girl in the class. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. I, I, I look, I like RJ actually. I think that that's a solid pick. I think that they can be, even though, uh, you know, New York, I mean, summer league was summer league. I just, I think he can get there. It's just, uh, they're a work in progress there. It's, it's going to take some time. Vegas has him at 27 and a half. You like that over or you like the under? Oh, I'd probably go under that, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll. See. I don't think they're going to be as bad as Charlotte. So there's that. That's the thing. I think in the Eastern Conference, and the other thing That's is they're going, to, they're going to compete to win games. And I think when you talk about over-unders, you know, they're, they're going to want to win 30 games. Like that's going to be, you know, yeah. the, the coach, the GM are coaching, you know, for their lives. So I think for that reason, I think they have a chance to. Uh, and and the other teams that want to win games with under-over, it gets weird because you get to the end of the season. And teams are good, you know, hey, teams that are going to the playoffs start resting guys. Uh, some guys are and, banged up. Other teams do start to tank. And if you actually try through March and into April, you can pick up some wins just by not giving up. A hundred, the last 10, 15 games of the season, you're going to play teams that are either resting guys and getting ready for the season or trying to lose games. So again, as you perfectly mentioned, if you're fighting for that eight seed and or you're fighting to justify off spending $70 million on Taj Gibson, et cetera, um, they're, they're going to be motivated to win games. And that usually leads to wins. Yeah, we'll see. I, I There's players I like on that team and I, I'm, a, I'm generally a Fisdale guy, but uh, 
they are a work in progress. All right. Well, that's enough Knicks talk. We'll say, we'll bring you back for uh well, well, I'd love to have you back during the season. We'll talk Knicks and, and, uh, and the NBA as a whole and not just fantasy. So it'll be fun. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Kurt. Thanks everybody for listening. And we will be back next week talking Utah jazz and more on the pro basketball talk podcast here at NBC sports. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.